What is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Rackle. It is Friday, June 11th. Oh, yeah, baby. I love this time of year. I, I do. I love the anticipation of fantasy football draft season. And we're a month out from that thing kicking off. We're two months out from that thing being in full swing. And we are rolling through an all 32 team preview series for you here on the podcast. Today, as you might have seen from the title, it's going to be the Buffalo Bills. A lot of intrigue here in Buffalo, no doubt about it. But it all starts at the top. It all starts at the top. And I see you, Bills Mafia. I see you. And you gave me crap in 2019 when I talked about Josh Allen not being a complete quarterback yet. You gave me crap. I'll say this. I was right. And then he proved me wrong. I, I, I Go back to 2018, 2019, and there's a lot to Josh Allen that was a work in progress. There was a lot to him that needed polishing up. But he polished it up. Last year, this is a completely different quarterback than what we saw in the first two years of his career. This is a guy who, even you know, in his college days, was not an accurate quarterback. We knew he had upside. We knew he had athleticism. We knew he had mobility. But accuracy, no. Well, last year he uh, he showed us he could be very accurate, accurate as well, and really benefited from having Stephon Diggs in there. And I'll talk about Diggs in a minute. But really benefited. It was a it was a, a dramatic leap forward. When you hear you know this time of year, especially, you'll hear. Always, every year, it's like, oh, so-and-so player is light years ahead of where he was last year. Well, usually that's a bunch of BS, right? It's, it's a bunch of malarkey. But Josh Allen, legit, in 2020, was light years ahead of where he was in 2019. And it was incredible to watch. And better yet, it was absolutely incredible for fantasy purposes. Projecting him out right now at almost 4,600 passing yards, remember, it's a 17-game season, 33 passing scores, I mean, the guy is so lights out as a runner. He's a 500-yard rusher, you know, annually. And when you look at it, what he's done as a, as a red zone asset on the ground, I mean, he's one of the better red zone backs in the league. You know, whatever, quarterback, running back, whatever back you are, he's he's awesome. Seven projected rushing touchdowns, and that's lower than he's ever had, by the way. I know, projections are conservative. I get it. But you put all that together, he's the number two fantasy quarterback. It is Mahomes, it is Allen, Kyler Murray probably after that, and on most people, and on my book it is. But Allen, man. Now, of course, I'll say the same thing when we get to Kansas City. This is a good thing and a bad thing. For me, I love Josh Allen. I love Josh Allen. He's so much fun to watch. He has such an enormous ceiling. But, and that's the good thing. The bad thing is that means I will not have him rostered in any leagues where I'm not either A, keeping him, or B, he's a, it's a dynasty league and I have him, which I do have, fortunately, one of those. Keeper league, the only way I'd be keeping him, by the way, is if there were a lot of keepers. Like, I don't keep a quarterback if you're only keeping one guy in a one-quarterback league. Or it's a super flex two quarterback league. Then you you know then obviously that becomes uh, viable. But if you're keeping one guy in a, a one quarterback league, not a quarterback. You can you can get quarterbacks in those leagues. He's awesome. That means I won't have him in a redraft league because he's going to go in the second or third round. Even in crazy quarterback early home leagues, I mean it'll probably be the second round. 
it's too too high of a price to pay, unfortunately. But I love him. I do. And a big part of that is Stephon Diggs. So getting Diggs in there last year was enormous for this offense. And we saw what he was really capable of doing when he had a quarterback who you could really, you know, he could unleash his talent. Kirk Cousins isn't that guy. And I Kirk Cousins is fine. He's a he's a starting quarterback in the NFL and he's done a whole heck of a lot better over the course of his career than I think anybody ever thought he was going to do except for him probably, right? I mean, he was he was the afterthought in that draft for Washington cuz remember they drafted RG3. They traded, they mortgaged the future to get RG3 and then they still drafted Cousins as well. But Cousins couldn't unleash Diggs massive upside. Josh Allen can. And what I love about that, too, is there's been some chatter that Stephon Diggs really, you know, there was a little bit of improvisation between him and Josh Allen last year. You don't always see that. You know, you can't see it when you're watching the games, uh, you know, in most instances. Of course, we know there are some plays that are obvious improv when the quarterback's scrambling around and then the receivers, you know, find an open spot. But apparently it was happening a good bit for these two. And the fact that they could immediately jump on the same page like that, Diggs go out and have one of the better, you know, productive receiver seasons in NFL history, when you look at it from a catch standpoint, he's up there on the all-time list, single season. That's really remarkable. So I have him, 111 catches, almost 1,400 receiving yards, seven touchdowns. I know that's conservative, but that's elite E freaking leet for fantasy purposes. There is a case to be made for Diggs as the number one overall receiver. I'm not there on my list. I have him at number three, but there is a case to be made, especially in PPR. If you're not buying Aaron Rodgers, then, you know, and right now I do have Devontae Adams ahead of Diggs because I have Rodgers in projections. But if you're not buying Aaron Rodgers on the Packers this year, you can't be buying Devontae Adams as an elite guy with uh, Jordan Love. So then it comes down to Diggs or Hill. And it's a it's a it's almost like a pick your poison. Like Diggs is going to be more consistent. He has an enormous ceiling, but he's going to be more consistent than Hill. Hill has the biggest ceiling of any player out there. Like legit, biggest, highest, massive ceiling, right? So that's that's the thing. That's the thing right there. Case to be made for Diggs. I love me some Stephon Diggs. Now, the rest of the wide receiver core here is, uh, well, it's interesting. It's a nice little collection of players. So why don't we do this? We're going to take a break. When we come back, we will dive into the rest of the receivers. We'll talk Dawson Knox, and we'll talk this backfield. Do we have to? (laughs) Yes, we do. All right, we'll do that after the break. And we are back. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the other receivers on this squad. So Stefan Diggs, yes. But who's the next man? And I do think given the composition of the roster and how they like to do things, you know, 11 personnel-wise, we're going to see a good bit of that from this squad. So Cole Beasley is the guy who I've projected out with the next most uh, targets. Massive 163 for Diggs. Beasley at 106. So it's a solid number. We know what we get out of Beasley. He's not a... 15-yard per catch guy, but solid enough 
And really, for PPR purposes, he could be a wide receiver four type. So, hey, what I love about wide receiver fours is during the bye weeks, wide receiver fours become wide receiver threes. You know, they they are playable during the bye weeks. So there is some value there with Diggs. Now, the team also did sign Emmanuel Sanders, veteran presence, which isn't the worst thing. But if I had to say who's the number three that is more appealing, it's not actually Sanders. It's Gabriel Davis. If Davis can get on the field more, we saw last year in his rookie season, John Brown off the field due to injury. Gabe Davis wasn't that bad. Bigger, got some speed, can get downfield. I mean, that's all good things with Josh Allen. So if I was going to take a flyer, it's got to be a deeper league. And I am actually projecting Sanders out higher. I have Sanders at wide receiver 61. I have Davis at wide receiver 77. But I'd much rather take a flyer on Davis than Sanders. You know, this is one of those things where we can't just blindly follow rankings. Because if you do that, you take a guy with a lower ceiling, potentially, if you take Sanders. Oh, Sanders ranked way ahead of him. Come on, Jeff. Well, yeah, but I'm a sucker for ceiling. Ceiling wins fantasy championships, man. Floor's okay, but I'm going after that ceiling. Now, in terms of Dawson Knox, you know, the team could ultimately acquire a tight end. That will change things around, by the way. If they acquired Zach Ertz, let's say, Dawson Knox would probably take a back seat to him. And Knox had some issues with drops last year. They did bring in Jacob Hollister. But Knox is still the number one guy. But for fantasy purposes, tight end 30, just not even worth – he's not even a streamer in that range. He's like a DFS guy that you're praying on the cheap he gets in the end zone. Otherwise, not much appeal to him. So, yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. If uh, they do bring in Zach Ertz, then obviously that'll change things around. It only makes things better for Allen. He's not going to go up any. Allen's going to be my number two no matter what. You know, unless Patrick Mahomes got hurt, I knocked wood. Okay, (laughs) let's not have that happen. But Allen's going to be my number two. So, either way, you know, it's a rich gets richer type thing. They are not necessarily rich in the backfield. And there were some rumblings heading into the NFL draft that they could have been in the ETN market, right? That they were looking to add a home run hitter because they don't really have that. Singletary's got some juice as like a change of pace guy, but he's undersized. And then you got better size with Moss, but he's not. I mean, he's good, <laughs> but he's not like great. At least he hasn't shown to be so far. There's a reason why they're using a committee of these two. They did bring in Matt Breda. I think we know where we are with that. And, of course, they still have Taiwan Jones on this roster. But, you know, deep jag type right there. Breda, let's not fall for that one. It really comes down to Moss and Singletary. And, unfortunately, it's going to be Moss and Singletary. I think Moss sees a, a slightly, you know, more carries. I am actually 126-122, slightly. Singletary more passing down work. 33 catches to 21 for Moss. When you add it all up, though, with such little meat on the bone, there's not much appeal to either one of these guys. Singletary, RB42. Moss, RB46. Honestly, I was asked this question uh, (laughs) during the NFL draft. Broadcasting on SiriusXM, Mike Dempsey, the host of the broadcast, asked me, hey, who would you rather? Singletary or Moss? And I was like, uh, neither. (laughs) I don't want either. I really don't. Because every week it's going to be a headache, right? And this isn't even one of those headaches where you start the wrong one. 
it's like if, if you could think of like a, a, a poor man's poor man's poor man's poor man's Cleveland Browns backfield, that's what you have right here. Like it's not a poor man's because I would take a poor man's Cleveland Browns backfield. That's like RB2s, right? They're both RB2s. Or maybe it's like the 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 early down guys like an RB2 and the, and then the passing down guys like a front end RB RB3. No, this is like these are RB4s, both of them, and they're both going to give you that sort of production week in and week out. Like there's not going to be a lot of weeks where it's like, "Oh, Zach Moss went off and I started Singletary." Like no. And I really feel, and and I know this is going to hit home maybe to you. I don't know, listener. I don't know if it's going to hit home. I really feel for the people in Dynasty Leagues who have both of these guys. That's a rough one right there. Because there really isn't any appeal. The only thing that I would say would be appealing is if Singletary got hurt. There may be some appeal then to Zach Moss. But vice versa, I, I don't think there's a ton of juice with Singletary if Moss gets hurt because he's just not big enough to handle a, a true three-down roll. So that's where we are with this Buffalo backfield. It's it's a work in progress for the Bills, and unfortunately for fantasy purposes, they're not, there's not much there. But the good news is Josh Allen's off the chain, and then Stephon Diggs is as well. And I think you can get a little bit of value at Cole Beasley. And P, I, only PPR, I, he just doesn't have enough uh, touchdown appeal to be a non-PPR guy. Half point, I suppose, but you know, really... Hey, he could catch 75 balls, you know, 75, 80 balls. If he catches that, he's going to be a wide receiver four, like I said. And wide receiver fours have value. They do. You always forget about that in the bye weeks. They have some decent value. So there you go. The Buffalo Bills. Up next on the docket, a very interesting team. The Carolina Panthers, new quarterback at the helm, Sammy Darnold. Obviously, McCaffrey coming back from injury. Some wide receivers, Joe Brady. Oh, baby. That's coming up next. Of course, remember, you can follow along with me on Twitter at Jeff Ratcliffe and Instagram at Jeff Ratcliffe. Use that hashtag Rad Pack. That way I know you're a listener of the show. And don't forget as well to check out Brad Evans and Nate Lundy on uh, Fade the Noise, the Fade the Noise podcast. Great stuff from those guys and everything else over at the Sawdust Podcast Network. So I appreciate you checking in here, and I will catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out of here.